In this episode of A Man's Journey, we meet up with Zach Miller. Zach Miller is a, a wonderful man that I had the opportunity with going to, going through Man and Civilized coaching certification. During that process, I learned that Zach had been living with PTSD. What was interesting is the commonality of PTSD in society. And we just started talking about what he did to shift the narrative. I'm really excited to share this episode with you all. Uh, so let's let's jump to it. Uh, Zach, tell me a little bit about yourself. Good morning. Thank you for coming on and, and, and opening up to us. Good morning, brother. Happy to be here. Appreciate you and honored, honestly. Um, I'm Zach Miller. I am 32 years old. I am a father of three, a nine, eight, and 11-month-old. I am happily married to now my soulmate. And uh, I started my PTS journey... It started when I was about 19 years old. Um, I got into public safety, uh, tried college, figured out college wasn't for me, and got into public safety to serve my community. Um, I started with fire and EMS. I was a volunteer and part-time firefighter uh, certified to the highest firefighting standards in the state of Ohio. And then I was also an inter intermediate um, EMT. So... That's where my public safety journey started. Um, quickly, you know, jumped into, you know, seeing very, very bad uh, car accidents, uh, medical emergencies, pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, the department I worked for was on a highway, so we did quite a few motor vehicle crashes, um, and very, some of them very unique. Um, a lot of the time, early on, I was. Uh, thrown into leadership positions um, there just because we didn't have very many people that were willing to help or they might be working. You know, there, it was primarily volunteer. So um, I went on average probably 300 to 400 calls for that department a year. Um, and that kind of, I consume, my life was consumed by the fire department and helping other people um, to the point that, you know, it eventually led to uh, relationship issues. Um, so fire and EMS led to dispatching. I was a 911 dispatcher for a year and a half for our county. Uh, with that, I dispatched for three police agencies, 18 fire departments, and other various agencies, and all non-emergency stuff as well, um, usually with either one or two other telecommunicators. So for a county that's at least 50,000 to 60,000 people, um, two to three people answering 911 calls isn't enough. So there was a lot of PTSD looking back that came with that also. Um, you're pretty helpless when you're a dispatcher. You can answer the phone, you can walk people through different situations, but at the end of the day, you're in a room miles and miles away from these people that are calling you for help and, um, you know, to not let that bother you is very difficult. Um, you know, I've been on the phone with people as they died. I've, you know, been on that phone um, when the baby's not breathing. I've been, you know, and totally helpless, especially when you're certified to help people and that's your other job and you can't do it in your full-time job. It, it's really difficult. So that job ended up leading to um, me becoming a police officer for one of the local cities and um, 
that was a journey in itself also. So on top of all the other PTSD that I wasn't dealing with that I had um, and wasn't doing anything about or numbing out in different ways with alcohol, um, pretty much anything else I could do, you know, so, so I want to highlight, first of all, what you were saying, I, as you were, as you were speaking that I started to get very emotional, right? Just to, just to listen to being on the phone with someone, you know, I, I, back in January, I called 911. Uh, my daughter who is four years old had a 13 minute seizure. Oof. And I remember being on the phone with the dispatcher and I'm sitting here like, she's not like, she's convulsing, you know, I, I, I was panicking yeah. and they're just sitting there like, stay on the phone with me, stay on and they're and keeping that calm attitude. Being in your seat, I couldn't imagine because I like I, every time I call someone's calm, right? Someone's always there. Someone's always like keeping their composure. I can't imagine what you're going through. Yeah. So you had said something a few weeks ago. And I want to hit on that because I think that, that that speaks volumes and it's a different perspective that we could go a whole different podcast with, but it needs to be identified here. Yeah. You mentioned with chronic pain when, when, and we associate it with what we were talking about was PTSD, but this could go with anything. Yeah. Right. When you don't, handle the things or repair the things that you're going through, it could, it could arise as chronic pain in various portions of your body. Can you elaborate and talk to me? Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I'm still doing all my own research on that also, um, and learning what I can. So I'm obviously not a doctor. I'm not, you know, any, anything medically related anymore, other than a guy that's trying to figure out how to deal with this, you know, PTSD. So, um, you know, through therapy, I've learned that, you know, some of the characteristics, you know, of chronic and um, I, I forget the CPTSD, the um, there's a another, there's two PTSDs, there's PTSD. And then I think it's more of a um, complex, I think it is complex PTSD. And with that, you know, at age 19, I started actually probably before that, but at definitely at age 19, I was, you know, seeing all this trauma and being involved firsthand with the trauma and I didn't have an outlet for it. So all these things, what I figured out for me personally was that anybody that I was with that was hurting or dying, uh, very, you know, I'm very empathetic and was actually taking on some of their energy, but I didn't even know that I was doing that or what to do with it. So therapy has helped me find that, you know, I have the ability to take on other people's energy, but I also have the ability to put up my own boundaries with it. And back then, what a, a healthy boundary would have been would have been, you know, finding a release, uh, whether it was a sport or, you know, therapy back then, uh, some type of release to get that energy out. But instead, for almost 10 years, I stacked trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. And, um, you know, I, I really didn't realize that I had a back surgery at 21 for a herniated disc. Um, you know, that was five years in, you know, you know, a couple years in. 
after the initial trainings. So all these pains that I was having were associated with lifting heavy people on a cot. They were, you know, dragging dummies around during training. Um, all the, everything firefighting related is heavy, you know, so, you know, I just assumed that it was taking its toll on my body already. Well, really, it was the trauma that I wasn't releasing, giving me warning signs that I was missing because I was so wrapped up in what I was doing and not dealing with the PTSD. So for that, uh, manifestations of that for me, I have chronic shoulder pain that I'm still dealing with. Um, and then um, my pelvis and lower back um, mainly is where I held, I kind of thought of my pelvis as like a bowl that held all this trauma and it just got to the point where it was filled up and it hurt my back. And now that I'm able to dump some of that trauma out through therapy, breath work, meditation, um, you know, I'm finally feeling like, I don't have all that pain all the time anymore. It's still there. We're still working through it. You know, I got the rest of my life. I have to deal with working through this. And, you know, I don't know how long that's going to be, but every day I'm going to keep trying to, you know, get a little more out of that bowl. Yeah. And, and, and that's, this is the thing that I like about that, that journey, uh, the man's journey, right? Is once you make that decision to, be intentional to be connected with yourself. I've heard many people say, hey, these are your problems. Go play with them. Yeah. Go figure them out. Go look more into it. Yeah. That, is, that is our job. If we want to end the generational trauma, if we want to change the narrative, do we want to change the story, go play with it. Go figure your shit out. Yeah, and sit with it. Absolutely. And I want to, I want to transition we've been talking now we just talked about PTSD. Yeah. There was a few numbers that I that I mentioned in the IG live that we did the other day, but I, I don't think that society knows the commonality of PTSD, right? People may are going through things. Maybe there's not a label. Maybe they're trying to search for what's going on. But it I went to the National Center of PTSD. 70% of adults experience a traumatic experience that 20 percent of those could result into ptsd yeah now that i i just want to put that out there because you have been you were undiagnosed for 10 years you were living 10 years going through things and didn't have a, a, I, I use the term label not as disrespect but you didn't you weren't, I didn't want the label yeah tell me about those 10 years talk walk me through the 10 years Walk me through what your coping mechanisms were, what the outcomes of that, um, the, the outcome of that was. Yeah. So, um, I started drinking alcohol when I was about 15. So, you know, just casual with friends, you know, out in the, the typical teenager, um, alcoholic social aspect of it. Um, so that continued, you know, for a long time, but with PTSD, it was easier for me to numb out with alcohol because we always drank, you know, every, every event, you know, there was beer, there were beer in the back of the truck coolers, you know, there was beer everywhere. 
So, you know, it was very easy for me to numb out um, and it'd be okay because everybody else was drinking. So, you know, that was just what we did. And, you know, looking back, you know, alcohol never served me in a positive manner ever. Um, so that was my main coping was alcohol. Um, with the PTSD, you know, I, I did go ahead and get a anxiety depression diagnosis from my family doctor to get some Zoloft, um, tried a couple different medications, learned a lot about that because Zoloft wasn't the first one she put me on. Um, she put me on Wellbutrin and told me I needed to wait six weeks taking it religiously and not missing any doses and take it six weeks and see how it affected me. And at week six, I went back into her office and she asked me how things were going. And I said, everything's worse. And I've given it the six weeks that you told me to. And I can't, I can't live this way. If, if you don't take me off of it, I'm going to take myself off of it. And that day she switched me over to another medication and it's worked for me starting that day. Um, so I wish I would have gotten on medication and had that conversation about six years sooner. I, I didn't get on medication until I was 26 um, when I was going through my divorce. And, uh, you know, looking back on my divorce, you know, I don't place blame anymore. Um, we're six years past it. Like we, we do things now for our kids and we were actually talking about it yesterday at drop off, you know, but um, you know, the things I learned from then are that I coped with alcohol, which also led to relationship issues, which also led to my divorce because all I was doing, I didn't have enough space in me to give her the love that she needed. So she, you know, we, that relationship ended and we've made it great for our kids, but you know, that, that was really the first major relationship that I went through, you know, breaking apart with PTSD at the time I was in the police Academy. So I had a lot of other things, you know, it was uh, paramilitary. So it was fairly, um, it was like boot camp. We lived there five days a week. So I would come home on the weekends and play with my kids. And when they'd go to bed, I'd start drinking. Um, and then I'd go out and drive home drunk. And, you know, it, it was a bad spiral. Um, got through the academy. The divorce became final. Um, and that's when the PTSD, I started recognizing it a little bit more then. But I still... The, the job was new to me at the time. I, I couldn't get a diagnosis of PTSD after getting through the academy. You know, what if they, you know, what if they fire me? I do not have anything left at this point. You know, my wife left. I have my kids. I didn't even have a house at that point. I was living with my parents, you know, and it's like, it was just a, a spiral that kept going and going. And, you know, I continued making it worse with my drinking on top of medicines, you know, At what point did you, in this journey, say enough is enough, I need to figure this out, and I need to, I need to make that shift? So in 2019, I found a book called Man Uncivilized by Trevor Boehm. Um, 
And that book literally changed my life. Uh, a lot of people say that when they're talking about books, but it's the truth. Um, I was able to resonate with every, you know, quite a few things in the book, not everything, but um, that was the first book I had read in its entirety since high school. And there was a reason for that because every word in there, I could find some resonating sense with. Um, so I quickly joined the Uncivilized Nation and that was kind of, I hung around in there for a while and, you know, listened to many podcasts and got into a meditation practice and got into breathwork practice and got into therapy and that therapy's okay and met other people that deal with PTSD on the daily basis that are also on this journey trying to figure out how to navigate it. Uh, it's a, it, it changes every day, every situation. I never know what situation is actually going to trigger me. You know, the other day it was in the, in the car, I got triggered and had to work through that. Um, a couple months ago, it was, I drove past an accident scene that I knew, but it wasn't the accident scene. I'd driven past it many times. It was the song on the radio. Driving past that accident scene at the same time triggered me. And I had to work through that and work through it without drinking. You know, the, the pivotal point in my journey was when I decided to quit drinking because then everything started becoming more clear because it was able to be more clear because it wasn't covered up. And, you know, that, that was August of 2020 was my last drink of alcohol. And I don't really feel the need to go back to it. I, I kind of played with it for a while. Like, yeah, you know, I've gone a year, you know, maybe I'll have treat myself to a beer. And, you know, two and a half year, almost two and a half years later, we sold our house and I cleaned out my uh, liquor cabinet. And I was like, why the fuck did I keep this stuff for two and a half years when I didn't even touch it? I didn't cook. My excuse was I was keeping it to cook with, you know, I had good bourbon in there and I like putting bourbon on my brisket, you know, and that was my excuse. But if I would have known that if I'd have dumped that shit down the drain two years ago, that I would have been more free and felt that feeling instead of the, the holding on to it feeling, you know, I would have probably been able to get to this point a little bit sooner, but, you know, obviously everything happens for a reason, but I hope I feel like I'm rambling, you know, but I hope that kind of gets the point across that, you know, it, it got so bad that, you know, I, I wasn't at rock bottom one time. I, I met rock bottom at, at least three to five times that I can think of offhand that I would consider rock bottom. Uh, absolutely, you know, you know, contemplating, you know, ending it um, because of what I was putting my family through. Um, we, I, I don't want to get into everything too far, but, you know, the things that I was dealing with weren't in my character. They were out of character for me. Um, the people I was hanging out with, the activities that I was involved in, you know, they were not characteristics of Zach. Um, they were characteristics of Zach that was dealing with a bunch of shit that he didn't know how to deal with and didn't even know how to ask for help. Um, so finding 
a resource like Man Uncivilized and other brothers that are dealing with the same types of issues. You know, all of our traumas are different there, you know, but they're all still heavy. You know, I don't, I don't know the trauma that you've seen, but, you know, I don't compare trauma anymore because trauma is trauma. Absolutely. There, there's something that you mentioned and I, I want to highlight for people that may be listening. There's a, there's an energetic field, right? You earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that you, you could take on energies and, and you also had the ability to, to put up a boundary to not take on that energy. We are energetic beings, right? So our transfer of energies sometimes is unconscious. Yeah. We have a, it's like a a six foot aura in different levels of energies. And a lot of times for the unconscious man, right? I say unconscious man, uh, just as you, Man Uncivilized, changed my life. Yep. And that I've read that book many times, right? And so he, Traver uses the term civilized and uncivilized. I'm just going to say unconscious, conscious, but it, yep. it, it relates the same. For the unconscious man, we don't, you don't know, or, or you may not know about that energetic transfer. So when you're feeling some type of out of character, out of character, characteristic uh feeling that may not be yours yep but you don't know that so you're like doing things you know that that are not like you when you get around men that have uh stefano stefando says don't have a and this is sexual but don't have a a leaky sexual gut right yeah i I say don't have a leaky sec uh leaky energy gut right i just i just use that term right there when you're able to have your boundary, have your energy in check, and, and it's a healthy energetic field, you attract healthy energetic people. I mentioned this to another man about doing the work. Yep. And there was a woman that reached out to me when I had put a question up on Instagram this, that asked me, I've seen that you woke up, that you became more conscious, you've been more intentional. How, does, how do I get my husband to do that? Yeah. And that spoke a lot to me because at the end of the day, she can't control that for her husband. Her husband has to control that for himself. However, what I am a firm believer in is she does the work for herself. Correct. Once again, going back to the energy thing, energies are contagious. She, she uh, raises her vibration. She raises her energy. He has two options. It's contagious. So he'll raise his, he'll do that work. He'll be conscious. He'll, he'll come to himself or he's not ready and that's okay too, Yep. but he's not ready. And then they just kind of go their separate race. And I, and I say this, I mentioned all this because the shift was you started to be, put yourself in situations where you were around healthy, energetic men. Correct. Yeah. You know, for, for almost a decade, I was around what they would call quote toxic masculinity um, between the males and the females. You know, it, it's it, the energy when we talk about masculine and feminine isn't male and female, it's the energy. And when you're surrounded by alpha type A quote, you know, people, male or female, they're going to be more in their masculine. And that was very toxic in those environments because it was a never ending cycle. Nobody ever got out of it. They were safe, you know, because of retirements and 
um, pensions and anything like that. So, you know, all those things I've noticed since and, you know, surround myself with the energy that I want to be around. Um, you know, we haven't met in person, but I can't wait to give you a big ass hug, you know, Absolutely. in August. You know, I cannot wait. Um, and, and we get that opportunity in August. We get to see yeah. each other in August in Colorado. Yeah, because we're both continuing to do the work. You know, that'll be my, both of our second initiations. And I'm doing it because I know how great the first one was. Oh, yeah. And not only do I want more for me, but I want to be that support for my brothers too. Um, and I think that's just an amazing way to do it. What better way than spending four days intentional time with people that actually love you, you know, people go to work and spend time eight hours a day with people that don't even care about them, you know, and we're going to surround ourselves for four days with all that love and energy. I can't wait. And, and that's one, one thing that really kickstarted this for me. I went to the initiation, you know, yeah. I was, we were going through Traver's course together. Yep. I went to the initiation and I saw how impactful that was, how vulnerable other men doing the work, how empowering, how contagious that was. And I ran, we, we, we ran into, I say we, and I was, I was thinking of Johnny and myself, Johnny King. Mm -hmm. We, we ran into a, a man, he's a police officer, been, he's done 20 years in the service and he was, he, he was in a, in a bad spot, but it was encouraging to see him do that work, to be in yeah. a better spot when he left. And that's what, like, when we were, when you had told your story and I was like, man, that's, I want to know more, right? And, and I, I want to get back to a thing that you mentioned. Yeah. So having PTSD and you were, you were coping with alcohol as a, as a coping mechanism, right? As soon as you shifted, as soon as you stopped drinking in 2020, if I remember correctly, yep. how did this PTSD change for you? When I say this, you're not going to believe me, but it changed every single thing. And if I would have known that it was going to change everything the way it did, I probably would have tried a little harder earlier on. But everything literally aligns. After I made that commitment that alcohol was no longer serving me and that alcohol was keeping me in repeating patterns, I decided I didn't want to live that way anymore. And alcohol was the only thing that was the only barrier. There wasn't anything else. It was alcohol. You know, it started, you know, relationship issues were constant and that was a repeating pattern because of the alcohol. Uh, you know, my, you know, body, you know, I was dealing with, I've dealt with kidney stones for 10 years and my doctor actually said most of it was probably be because of all the draft beer I was drinking at the time. Totally mind blown. You know, oh, wow. I, you know, didn't know that I was causing more pain, you know, because of the drinking, but that was a side effect for me. That was an effect of it for me was dealing with these massive kidney stones. Um, but the shift, you know, let's reset, <laughs> go ahead and ask me your question again. Cause I think I got off on a tangent there. No, no, no. That, that was all good there too. So my question was, you mentioned alcohol being a coping mechanism. Yeah. When you stopped alcohol, when you made the shift, how did your PTSD, how did your life 
what what stood out in your journey of that transformation that decision so that decision you know really opened up a lot of space in my relationship with my wife um she was very encouraging and supportive of it uh kind of helped she was never really a fan of alcohol so that wasn't ever really like she didn't care if we had it in the house or not. So that, that made it, that support system helped. Um, at first it was scary because all my friends drink beer and that was what we did for fun. Um, either beer or bourbon. And most of the time that led to bourbon, beer, and cigars and, you know, nights of drinking and all those things. So, you know, the shift for me, it, gave me clarity. I was no longer numbing it out and wondering why I was the way I was. I knew at that point, it showed me that was the one thing that was holding me back. And with that, it opened up, you know, finding meditation. And meditation isn't just for Buddhist monks. Meditation is for everybody, you know, and there's different ways to meditate. There's, you got to find your way to, you know, meditate. You know, for me, it's not sitting 20 minutes silent yet. I can, but, you know, I like a little movement and to be comfortable and just being able to, I, I wouldn't have found those things without getting clear after getting rid of the one thing that was masking everything else. Absolutely. So you've mentioned a little bit throughout this whole podcast. Let's just go ahead and ask the question. How yeah. have you been able to change the narrative? And, and shift your life so for me after finding man uncivilized that was the vehicle that's gotten me to this point um i've felt the support of other men i've cried with other men um that are also going through hard things and just having the community i always wanted that brotherhood that community aspect and i craved it and that's what I was always looking for in that public safety. You know, some people in college of uh, fraternities, their brotherhood and community, and that works for them. I kept chasing that and finally found it in men's work. And it's just, it's so awesome being involved with people that want to be better and that they want to help people and they want to change their world. And, you know, you reach people that I can't reach and I reach people that you can't reach. And, you know, that community aspect of it has just given me a new, I had lost hope after, you know, resigning from the police department that I was never going to have that brotherhood or community support. And I was, I was surprised when I found it. Um, and a lot of the people that are involved in it are dealing with the same things that I dealt with, you know, at the beginning of my divorce. And, you know, pretty much my story I know is supposed to help other people. I went through that for, you know, not only me, but to help other people. And, so, and that's, and that's led you to a new career path. Yeah. So tell, tell um, me about that. you know, all of this led me to really, you know, Traver helped us make building statements. Um, and that was a big thing, you know, for me and my family, we're building a life full of freedom, happiness, and peace. And that's what we're doing. Um, so a couple months ago, back in, I think it was January or February, I quit a job 
uh, actually family business and it was very hard to leave, but it was completely out of alignment with those three things. It wasn't bringing me freedom, happiness, or peace. So we came up with a plan to shift that. And that plan consisted of selling a house, uh, living off savings, and becoming a men's coach. So, you know, um, so far it's scary, but it's been worth it because every single thing has continued to be in alignment with what we're building after we got rid of the things that weren't in alignment. And I think that's the most enjoyable part about this journey for me as well is leaving the service after 13 years. Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of people have asked me what's going through your mind. You're at the yeah. top of your career. Yep. I'm chief petty officer, right? That's a pinnacle of the enlisted career. Yep. You've been successful. You, you have a beautiful family. You own a business. Like the list goes on and on. You got it all. But the thing is this, I wasn't happy with me. I wasn't happy deep down. I was struggling. Yep. So where I'm going with that is you have to be intentional. And like you said, being in alignment with yourself. And that is the best part about this journey that I, that you, that speaks volumes to me when you say that is you get to choose what you want to do. Yep. And that is the most encouraging piece. And I thank you for that work because there's men that need, need our help. There's men that are out there that need that push, that guidance, that, that just that person to listen to yep. for them to talk and, and uh, so forth. I want to, I want to ask you more because you mentioned Man Uncivilized being your, your, your vehicle to get to where you're at. What are your new coping mechanisms? What are you doing to help you with PTSD? Oh, man, it's beautiful. Um, so right now, my big thing is going to the local reservoir and hiking. It might only it, it's nothing special. It's nothing crazy. It's no Colorado hiking but it's hiking and it's being out in nature for me. So I found the connection with nature being super important. Um, there's so much energy out in nature that, you know, we usually just don't even think about. And when you can just disconnect and be in nature, things start showing up for you. Um, so that's a form of my meditation, but meditation all around, um, I do quite a bit probably close to an hour a day of meditation um, spread out throughout the day, but it could be, you know, quiet time in the car. Um, you know, there's obviously days I still want to jam out with my kids in the car, but lately I want music with no words. And that's because I would rather just be with my kids, you know, have something on in the background. So it's not awkward, but you know, I don't want the words. And I'd rather have that intentional time. So intentional time with my family, meditation, um, breath work has been phenomenal because you can kind of access more of your subconscious that way, naturally. Um, obviously, in the right setting, set and setting is huge. And the teacher obviously matters also. Um, I've also gotten into uh, acupuncture practice to take care of the energy in my body um acupuncture deals with the energetic side of things and all the neuro pathways and all those things so that's been a huge i consider that a self-care part of my treatment um for me personally 
I don't have a diagnosis. I go to therapy and I do things that make me feel better. So for me, that's acupuncture, hiking, meditation. Um, I still take medication daily, but I will say I'm down to one medi medication. And I think that just deals with the chemicals for me that I haven't figured out a way to figure out yet. Absolutely. So, you, the four of the five things that you mentioned, and I want the audience to take note of that, that's all free, right? Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't say things that cost money. Yep. Those are free things that you control as a person. And you got to make the time to do them though. And that's absolutely, you know, you got, you might have to give something up to, to make one of those happen and that's okay. You know, I gave up alcohol and now I got all this other time and money to do things because I'm not literally pissing it down the drain. And you, and something else that you mentioned nature, you know, mm. I read a book and I just want to throw this out there. Nature is medicine. Yes. We're once again, going back to the energetic beings concept. Being in nature, which we thrive off of the, I'm, and I'm not as, I don't know the, like the full theory here, but energy or energy trees provide us with uh, carbon dioxide or, or something yes. like that. Yep. That no, they provide us with the oxygen, the oxygen, excuse me. Yeah. I said carbon dioxide, the oxygen for us to breathe. Yep. Right. And so that's, that's something that, that there's a connection there. And when going out in nature, and I've done this, this is one of the things that I've been intentional about with getting in the RV and being more yep. adventurous, enjoying the time out in nature, yep. seeing the shift that, and that means not having your phone. That means being able to be fully present in the body at that moment. Yep. And how powerful that's been has been remarkable. I literally had a talk with mother nature the other day. Like as I was hiking through the woods and stepping on the dirt, like talking to her and, you know, thanking her for, you know, this new, new outlook and new hiking path of life, you know, because it got to a point where there were two paths and I could either stay on the same one and repeat patterns, or I could take the new one, not knowing what it really entailed, but knowing that I was going to be safe. That's powerful. And just think about two years ago, Whew. where you were at to where you are now. Yep. Very I, I don't recognize that person. I, uh, you know, I, I left that person behind for a reason and I still talk to that person and learn from that person, but I don't sit with that person anymore. You know, and I don't dwell in that state anymore. Life, life is, we have no idea how long we're here. And I want to enjoy my family and my friends and my community in that time. And life's been a lot easier since I adopted that kind of outlook. You know, that being intentional time, having intentional time with my kids is more important than alcohol. Having intentional time with my kids is more important than my phone, which is something I'm still working on. Absolutely. But, and that's okay. Like it, it, it's never over. There's always going to be work. And, you know, right now I'm trying to dive into my inner child a little bit and that's scary, but you know, it, it needs to be done. And in my eyes, I need to do that. And, you know, there's stuff there that 
I want to help the world with everything that I can. And, you know, there's stuff from my childhood that, you know, still needs fixed. Absolutely. What came to mind when you were saying that, I don't know if you've seen the reel by Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jeremy um, Goldberg, Love Bombs, where he, where he has the, he has the two suitcases and they're like slowing them down. Yeah. And it's talking about relationships, yeah. but, but the, the focus of like the point I got gathered from it was, so he had the two suitcases. He let one suitcase go like the baggage, right? Yep. He still had the other one. He was still not moving as fast. He eventually let it go. And then he was in relation with someone else and then with another person who was talking about relationships and they were like, what's in the backpack? Yeah. What's in the fanny pack? What's in the cargo pockets? And that, that to go even deeper, that takes me back to Dave Boyd. Yeah. And at the beginning of this journey, he, he mentioned something that stood out to me was there's always something to be worked. Yes. You're going to feel like you've, you've done every, all the work, and then you're going to open the front door and you're going to get smacked right in the face. Uh-huh. Yep. And I think that where you're going with that is it's, it's a constant, it's a constant being able to have love and compassion and knowing that this journey is forever lasting. Yeah. And that that's okay too. Yep. And that everybody else is also on their own journey and that I don't need to compare myself to you and you don't need to compare yourself to me, but we can feed off of each other's energy and continue doing great things. And that is so cool. That's absolutely correct. And you mentioned something too, and I want you to highlight that. Comparison kills, right? We talked about, we talked about our group, the, the, the energetic grouping that we surround ourselves with. You stopped, you, you stopped alcohol and then you yep. surrounded yourself with better energetic beings. Yeah. Tell me about surrounding yourself with better energetic beings. What did you see? Like what improved for you right away with that? Being able to just talk through things that are bothering me with people in healthy ways has solved so many problems before they even started. So just seeing that there's a different way to do this is, has done so much. Um, having hard conversations. Our society doesn't like having hard conversations. They just want to sweep it under the rug and move on. And that was very common in public safety. Probably in the Navy also would be my guess that it just gets swept under the rug. You don't talk about it anymore. Don't worry about it. It's over. Fixed it. And that's how I lived my life for a while. But being able to actually talk about things and open up even when it's hard has been so freeing because I don't have to keep that anymore. Um, you know, a powerful exercise I did was I wrote down what Zach believes. What does Zach believe? Not what the world believes, not what Zach's been told. What in my heart, what do I felt? And I think I ended up so far, I got a list of like 12 or 15 things. And, you know, it's the things that I believe. And that's been a great foundation for the rest of this is knowing that I'm sticking to my guns because I believe that in my heart and I don't have to bend, you know, when it comes to that, it makes it easy for that boundary to be put up. 
And that's what's kept me going on this is because I've put those boundaries up and kept out people that are not giving the energy that I need to receive because I give out quite a bit of energy and it's all filled with love. And I want, I want some of that back, you know? So Absolutely. I, I, you know, I want to fill my cup up too. So it's just finding that community. Hashtag lead with love. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you're, you're hundred percent correct on that. in in that sense. And, and that's what I think is so admirable about this journey is just the, the revelation of that. Yeah. And, and being able for you to tap into what you like to use your past as a, as a reminder, a constant reminder. Yeah. You don't, like you said, you don't have to sit with yourself, Yep. but using your past as a constant reminder to help you stay on track. And I, and, and, and to even validate your point even more with the clarity piece, you have to know where you stand yeah. to be able to, to have some type of stance, like to, to know where you want to go. And that's where I, I encourage that the, and that's this, like, for instance, Traver, I'm going all over the place because I'm so excited right now, but Traver Bones, no more Mr. Nice Guy, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, the Nice Guy course, excuse me. Yeah. A lot of nice guys don't know where they stand. Oh, I, I was that guy. Absolutely. And, and, the, and the world conditions you, you have other people that throw inputs. And so that, that exercise that you're talking about is a good silence everything. What does Zach or what does Alex, what does Bobby, Johnny, whoever it may be, what do they want? What do you want? Yep. And, it, and let it sit, let it resonate, meditate like you talked about. Go out in nature, disconnect. And then that's where the journey starts. Yep. That's where the real journey starts. You know, and I went almost 30 years on on the first journey and I reflect on those paths and the lessons that were there, but that's all they are. They're lessons. They're lessons for me to not do in the future or they're lessons to do a different way in the future. And that's been really, really powerful. Absolutely. I, I, I have another question that just yeah. keep, it keeps coming up to me. Like, and I don't, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I think this is, this is going into what we need to talk about. If you could give, and I, last time we talked, I, I said one piece of advice, but if you could give advice to someone that is, that is struggling, someone that doesn't know if they're going through PTSD, that they're stuck, that if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? I think the most powerful thing that people can do is reach out. You are not alone. As many dark nights I spent in my car, my living room, you know, out and about drinking, you are not alone. You're not the only one dealing with this. You're not the only one that's ever dealt with it. Find the people that are going to support you in what you're building and leave the rest behind. It's crazy as men, 
how often we feel that it's easy to be by ourselves. Yeah. Like I get it, right? It is easy to, to not reach out. It's easy to go sit in the car and be by yourself. But one thing that I, that validates through this journey for me as well is the lone wolf is no longer. Never. You were not going to, you were not going to better your journey. If you isolate yourself and don't make that, that, Necess that, that necessary reach out to someone yeah like we said it before surrounding yourself with positive healthy energetic beings men it's gonna it's gonna change your life that's that's what changed my life right i i was going through a, a, a shit storm and i went through the initiation through man uncivilized i started attending you know the zoom calls weekly yep. zoom calls and the and that's when the shift started. I started having healthy boundaries. I started I started implementing a lot of things that I didn't before. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening, it's okay to have those thoughts. Reach out. Yeah. I know that there's hesitation, but reach out. You mentioned when we talked previously as well, and I want to put this out there. You you have a therapist, and I am on a wait list for the same therapist. Right. Yep. Michael Gay, wonderful man. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to work, work with him, but I'm excited about, for you. Thank you. Tell me about your journey with, with just the, the advice that you put out to me a couple, couple days ago with regards to the therapist. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So we all need therapy and like, I know therapists that have therapists. It's okay. Like, but get that other person that's smarter than you, that's dealt with this more than you, and that knows how to work through it and pay them to help you get through it and find your ways, find ways for you that are going to work. Um, and it might not happen with the first therapist. I was blessed that I was put in alignment with Michael Gay. I was blessed in that sense. Same for you. You know, I would have never found Michael Gay and made the progress I have the past couple months without me and uncivilized. And it all took reaching out, whether it was the first time I reached out to Traver on Instagram. It was probably like, this guy's never going to reach out to me. Like it's going to fall on deaf ears. Quite the opposite. Traver responds to every single message I send him. And that, you know, that says what he's trying to build. You know, he's authentic. And he's been, the, he's been in our shoes, you know, and just finding that and reaching out is uncomfortable, but it's really only uncomfortable the first couple of times when you reach out to somebody. Now I go up to people and talk to them. Like we passed on a good fishing spot to two fishermen the other night. They don't know who I am. They thought it was really weird that I was walking up to them while they were fishing. I don't care because, you know, I felt the need to talk to them, you know? And just talk and reach out to people. You know, Instagram and Facebook are great tools for doing this work because it's connecting people all over the world. You know, I think of our mutual friend, Alex Moore. You know, I can't wait to go to New Zealand and meet him one day. You know, I cannot wait. You know, but I would have never met him without this resource. I was going to reference him earlier in the podcast when we were talking about looking at you two years ago. Yeah. I looked at his post that he put up the other day and I, and I, I, I just think about hashtag one year challenge yep. and how we should make that a movement. Yeah. And, and 
just the growth from that man, the growth from you, the growth from many men that I, that I've been interacted with. It's inspiring. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing for anybody listening is it's not going to happen overnight, but it's that 1% better every day. It's yeah. that it's the collective steps forward. That's going to show where you were to where you are. I, I used to, I actually have a tattoo and you know, it's three, you can't see it real well, but three nails and it was for never give up. And I've since shifted that to, I, I was gifted with this phrase from a boss ever forward. And that fits way better for me because all I got to do is keep moving forward. I, I, it's not about giving up or not giving up, you know, hard days are going to come. They're, we're all going to have them. Um, you know, there's always going to be hard times, but if I can just keep moving forward and ever forward, um, you know, that's what it takes. You just got to keep moving. Absolutely. I want to, I want to, before we end here, I want to, I want to give you the opportunity and this is something I didn't give Matt Halson. So if you're listening, I apologize, but I want to give you an, a minute, two minutes to wrap on anything. Like just if you got something to say, like I just, I, whatever it may be, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't even deal with PTSD, but I, I just want to hear, give me one or two minutes. If you have nothing, that's okay. But I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, the thing that's been heavy for me lately is I don't care what coach you hire. I don't care who you hire. I don't care if it's me. Hire a coach, hire people. If you, if you truly want to change, find people that have changed and hire them. Self-care costs money. It's just how the world works. But don't go get a haircut and expect to not pay that guy. Expect to pay a coach also, you know, there are resources for literally every single person in this world. And even if it's not a coach, find somebody that's going to hold you accountable and that's going to help not only celebrate you, but call you forward when you need it. It's not calling out. It's calling them forward, you know, show them that like they're out of alignment with what they've told you they want. And that's okay. But like, help people by keeping them on track with what they're building, you know, and that could be the simplest of things. It doesn't, you know, we, we overcomplicate every single thing when really we just need to help each other out and talk. If this message resonates with anybody that's listening, Zach, where can they find you? You're a coach. So yeah. where can they find, where can they reserve a spot, talk to you, reach out to you? Where, where's that available at? Uh, so the best way is through Instagram. Uh, my hash or my uh, call signs at ZTM four one nine. You can reach me there anytime. I'll reach out when I get the opportunity. Um, you can also book a free coaching call with me, thirty minute you know connect call. See if you'd like to work with me a little further. Um, those links are all in my link tree in my bio. Once again, I can't thank you enough. Like your story, mm. it inspired me. It made me, it, I connected with it, right? And I had to get you on here. I had to take the time. I know this has been a week in the making, but I am <laughs> truly 
thankful for you to make the time today to get on here with me. And, and this conversation was powerful. So Likewise. I just once again, want to say thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, and thank you for what you're doing in the world because you are taking this and running with it. And it's, it's fun to be next to you with it. And I can't wait to see where you take it. I appreciate that.